a blowout. Eighth inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out a real pitch. He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. We have a great one for you today. Seattle Mariners infielder Ty France is about to join me. The dude just absolutely rakes. We're going to talk about him being a 34th round pick and how he was able to just hit his way up to the major leagues, how he hit 399 in a full season, basically, in AAA, and why he couldn't just hit 400. But I'm absolutely pumped to talk to him. So let's go ahead and bring him in now, Ty France. Ty, thank you so much for joining me, man. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. Hey, I want to go back first to your days at San Diego State um, pre-draft when you were able to play for Tony Gwynn, which is absolutely incredible. One of, the, one of the best hitters of all time. Many say he is the best hitter of all time. How cool was that experience and, and getting to play for a guy like that? Um, it was pretty special. Um, it was one of those things, though, when you were there playing for him, it didn't really he didn't make himself out to be Tony Gwynn the great, you know, yeah. he was just, he was just your coach. He was there to help get you better and get you to that next level. And I don't think it was till after I left that I really understood like one, how good he was, what a great human being he was. And just like in the baseball community, how big he really was. Um, I always knew he was good and like the hall of famer and everything, but um, the impact that he made on so many people's lives, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that I was able to, know be a part of his life that's really cool what what is the best you know i'm sure there was a lot of it but what's a piece of advice he gave you that you still carry with you today um you know he he was a bag of knowledge um his stories um you know i could go on for days about his stories (laughs) but um as far as like baseball stuff he he really tried to simplify hitting and just make it as easy as possible um granted it came very easy for him but he did the best that he could to simplify it for us. And so all he, one of the, one of the main things he taught was just get in position, take your best swing. Um, so now even today, um, when I go up to the plate, that's all I'm trying to do is get in a good position, get my best swing off. So you were drafted late out of San Diego state 34th round. Um, how, how was that experience for you? I mean, that is, that's getting to the point where it's late in the draft. Did you know you were going to get drafted or was it getting to the point where it was like, Oh God, is this, is this going to happen? Or is it not? Yeah. The, the draft process was very weird for me. Um, my agent at the time, you know, I had a very good college career. Um, and he had told me you're going to go anywhere from rounds three to seven, I believe it was three to eight. And so that's kind of where my mindset went. That obviously didn't happen. Um, you know, and then the, 15 to 20 started rolling around. I'm like, I might be going back to school. Um, and then he had called me and he said, Hey, the Dodgers are supposed to take you anywhere between rounds 25 and 40. Um, if you're interested, I was like, yeah, of course. Um, round 32 ish came around. They still hadn't taken me. Um, agent calls me and he said, Hey, you know, the Padres are interested if the Dodgers don't take you. Um, within the next round or two, the Padres are going to take you. And uh, sure enough, in the 34th, the Dodgers passed and the Padres picked me up. So. Well, it, it all worked out. Did you? So I, I read somewhere that you played 
a year in college with a torn labrum. Is that true? Yeah. So my sophomore fall, um, I filled in at shortstop. Our short we was inner squad. Um, I filled in at shortstop. Our short our main shortstop had to go hit or do like a situational bunt or something yeah. like that. Um, so I filled in at short. He slashes, hits the ball back up the middle, and I dive. And the umpire happened to be right there. Um, and I collided with him and it, it felt like just a stinger type of thing in my shoulder. And I didn't really think anything of it. Um, season started, started off hot. I think I was hitting like four thirty through the first like month ish. And the head coach noticed that I was messing with my shoulder a lot. He's like, what's going on? I was like, I don't know. It just feels better when I crack it. Um, go through another couple of days of that. He's like, all right, we need to get you checked out about a month and some change into the season, got an MRI and it showed it was torn. Um, he was like, Hey man, you can't redshirt anymore. You played too much of the season. You oh, can wow. either get surgery now and, you know, burn a year or you can, we can manage it and kind of play through it and see how it goes and get surgery at the end of the year. So I went with that route. Was it your, it was your right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you did that. Cause so I, I was going to ask, because this, this might be totally off base for you, but my junior year of, of college, I tore my left labrum. I didn't know it was torn at the time, but I dove for a ball in the outfield, landed on it, tore it, and it just like kept like sliding in and out. And I swear it helped me hit. I don't know what it was, maybe just staying tighter, not wanting it to pop out, but I swear in the long run it did help me hit a little bit. <laughs> for, for me, it was one of those things where it would hurt just as much to sit here and talk to you as it would to swing or throw. So it was like there was no real significant oh, wow. difference for me. So I was like, you know what, I'll just do some maintenance on it and get through the year. So then... You end up getting drafted, like we talked about, in the 34th round. And, and there's really no room for error. And, and you know this as a guy drafted later. And I, was, you know, I wasn't a top 10 guy. And for every one chance you get, those top guys are getting 50 chances. And that's just the nature of the business. How did you go about that um, and, and have that mentality? Because... Baseball is the most mentally grueling sport there is, and it can be tough mentally. And then, you know, you're drafted later, and you just have to produce from the word go. Uh, was there ever a time where, where you bogged yourself down mentally thinking, okay, I have to do this because it's impressive to just hit your way throughout and not really slow down and make your way to the big leagues. That's tough to do. Yeah. Um, you know, when right before I signed, one of my college coaches, um, he kind of he went through – he was a later draft pick and all that and kind of went mm -hmm. through a similar process and he let, let me know like, Hey, you know, you're not going to get the same opportunities as the rest of these guys. Like if you're going to do this, you got to do it right. You got to keep your nose down and just grind. And, um, you know, I kind of just kept that mentality. Um, I feel like a lot of my younger baseball career, there was, there wasn't much about me that stood out. Um, yeah. I was, I was a good baseball player, but I didn't have any like wow factors to me. Um, so I got overlooked a lot. And I just kind of kept that same same mentality and that you know grind mentality, and just push through the minor leagues. I, I will tell you what does have the wow factor. In, in 2019, you hit 399. Ty, what the hell? Come on, you, 399, one knock away. How pissed were you? Got to. I mean, you end up making it to the big leagues, so you're fine. But one knock away from hitting 400 on a year in AAA—that's wild. That. The night before I got 
uh, recalled to the big leagues. Um, I was one for five. And I remember the very last at bat, I, I had a, like a broken bat double play. And I was kind of mad that, you know, I dropped below 400. Um, and then later that night, got the call that I was meeting the team in Philly. And so I, you know, I, I forgot about it. People yeah, ask man. me all the time, like, are you mad you didn't hit 400? And it was one of those things where like, you know, I had already gotten a taste of the big leagues and I just wanted to get back there. Um, so I didn't really, I, I didn't pay attention to it too much. Um, looking at it now, obviously it would be cool, but you know, I, I'm much happier in the big leagues. You, you'd yeah, you'd rather hit 200 and be a career big leaguer than hit 400 in AAA and stay stay in AAA. Did you have a game that year in 2019 that sticks out as like I always love asking guys this at like any point in their career, what's the best game you pay, played? You hit 400 in in AAA. There's got to be one game that sticks out like man, that was that was pretty sick. Um, it was. There's one game we actually played against Tacoma. Um, I think I was like 0 for 3 going into like the seventh inning, and I ended up finishing the game 3 for 6 with two homers, um, and one of them being a walk-off homer. Um, that first time, I think it was my first, second career walk-off homer, so it just that one kind of stuck out at most. And then the All-Star game was a lot of fun too, getting to play with a lot of, um, you know, those those big name guys and just um, you know some of them now teammates. So it's pretty cool. What was the moment like for you? And, and I love asking guys this because I do know the grind of the minor leagues, but never got to get that call. So I'm always infatuated with those moments. And we saw it recently with Adley Rutschman, and it's just so cool. What was that moment like for you when you found out and were told that you're going to be a big leaguer? Yeah, actually, I got a pretty funny call-up story. Um, so we were in Vegas. Um, it was around 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, um, getting ready for to go to bed. Majority of my teammates had gone out to like the the Vegas Strip and walked around and stuff, and I didn't. I stayed back. Um, and I got a call from a Puerto Rican phone number, and I was like, "Oh, this is a little little sketchy. This late at night, like I'm not going to answer this. I don't know who it is." Um, and it turned out to be my manager, and he texted me right away. He's like, "Hey, hey, Ty, it's Edwin. Um, call me right away." okay so i called him um he goes hey um are you out out on the town right now i'm like no i'm in my room he goes okay good because you got a 7 a.m flight to san diego tomorrow you're going to the big leagues and i like pause and i'm like are you messing with me right now like it's it's 11 o'clock like i'm getting ready for bed like are you sure and he goes why would i lie about this so uh, so I, i packed everything up um i'm on the on the flight or going through the airport the next morning, I got my nice collared shirt on. I go to put my backpack on. And when I like throw the straps over my shoulder, my shirt rips from my wrist to my elbow. And I I didn't have any other shirt on me. So I had to like roll my sleeve up to hide it, land in San Diego, run to the bathroom, dig through my bag, find a new shirt, just beyond wrinkled. I just throw it on, hop in an Uber, go to, cause we had a day game. Um, go straight to the stadium all wrinkly and uh, yeah it was it was an experience that's what, my next question was going to be do you have like a a welcome to the big leagues moment that happened to you or that might be it or was there something on the field that you're like oh god i'm i'm a big leaguer now um i i think my first go around in the big leagues um there was a lot of um you know you grow up watching a lot of 
guys and now you're on the same field as them. Yeah. Um, so there was, there was a couple of times where like, you know, we were facing the Dodgers and I'm, I'm in the box against Kershaw and I'm like, Whoa, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and then, um, you know, facing DeGrom, Senegard, like guys like that, that, you know, just big name guys. And then there was one point on my own team, even where I was at third, I looked to my left and I had Manny at short, Kinsler at second and Haas at first. And I was like, those are three like big games. <laughs> I'm just, I got like three days in the big leagues and it, you know, it was pretty cool. That's great. I didn't know Ken's was on the, Ken, Kinsler's like the best dude. He He's awesome. That's awesome that you got to play with him. Um, so you weren't in, you know, before too long in your big league career, you get traded uh, and you're traded in the middle of the, the COVID year to the Mariners what what was that like as a guy that's just trying to get his feet wet in the big leagues and to make an impact and then all of a sudden boom in the midst of the craziest year of all of our lives really you're traded to to Seattle how crazy was that yeah that was definitely a whirlwind um so I think it was like maybe a week or two before that um I I broke with the team that year Mm -hmm. um was there for about two weeks before I got options. Um, I was I was doing pretty well as the bench guy, um, but they needed to clear clear spots, so they optioned me. Um, and I was a little upset because I was I was playing really well, and so I had a phone call with my agent and was like, "Hey man, like, no, I don't know what else to do." Um, He's like, "Hold on, like, let me let me talk." So he talked to the GM in San Diego, um, and then I ha- I had a conversation with him, and. He was like, you know, just sit tight. You're going to be in San Diego for the next, you know, four to six years. We love you here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was, you know, I was fired up about that conversation. And then I think it was a week or two later, I got the phone call that I'm coming to Seattle. And I was just, it was very caught off guard. <laughs> we were actually in the middle of our uh, team fantasy football draft in Colorado. We were in like the sixth round of the fantasy football draft when uh, Tingler tapped on my shoulder and, you know, let me know I was coming to Seattle. I guess the important question here is, did you have to auto-draft the rest of that team? Like, what does that team No, like? so it ended up not being a very, very good year. I was with uh, Trent Grisham and Greg Garcia. Uh, the three of us were man in the team. And okay. then once I once I got traded over here, they kind of just took the reins. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, we missed playoffs, but um, yeah. <laughs> so since getting traded over to the Mariners, you have hit – over 300 and well over 300 this year. And, you know, I, I guess I just love talking hitting and without getting too into the weeds for everybody listening, I, I guess, like, what what is your approach? Because obviously once you get to a certain level, everybody can have a – everybody has a swing. Everybody can, uh, can, can do well with a certain swing. But to do what you've done as consistently as you've done it, there's an approach that you have that you stick to. You don't waver from it. Well, I'm sure sometimes you do, but you come back to it. What What is it? What What are you thinking when you go up to the plate? Um, honestly, I, I I try and simplify it as much as I can. Um, you know, for me, it's just get my foot down on time for a fastball and drive the ball back up the middle. Um, you know, I it hitting is hard. Um, and you know, the more you think in in the box, and the more you try and I'll fix your swing in the box. It just makes it so much harder. So um, for me, my approach is usually just get on time for the fastball and try and drive it, drive it over the hitter's eye. Um, that way, if I'm a little early, I got 
you know, left field to work with. If I'm a little late, I got right field to work with. Yeah, love that. How how awesome has has Seattle been? Just from a fan perspective, watching games in Seattle, it looks like it is such an awesome baseball city. The crowd is behind you guys. How fun has it been playing for the Seattle Mariners? I mean, I, I can't say enough about our fan base. Um, you know what we went through last year. Um, you know we started off rough. Um, they stuck by us. Um, you know had that that good run towards the end. Um, you know having. I think we had like 43,000 fans a night for the last week. Um, just getting to play in that environment, in that atmosphere, um, you know, it, it still gives me chills, you know, replaying that in my head. Um, you know, the way they gave Kyle his send off, that was, you know, to be a part of that too was, you know, I have something I'll never forget. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's Seattle's, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate and lucky to be here. This is a great, great team. Um, great city you know it's a, it's a lot of fun being here it, I, I, I look back on on last year and when you guys were you know up against the odds nobody really believed that you guys could get it done and then the last series of the year you guys are right there in the thick of it and that place was rocking it was so awesome to see Seattle last year for that last weekend I mean is that the is that the best crowd that you've seen since you've been there that that was madness yeah i mean there's there wasn't an open seat in that stadium on their feet standing cheering like it was the roof was closed too so it was even louder um yeah man it was it was incredible so you're doing we're having this conversation right now with you at, at fenway park and i saw a video recently of julio rodriguez going in the monster signing it uh, there's a funny video of that. Is your signature's in there somewhere, right? Have Have you done that? You've gone on, gone in there and signed yeah, it. Yeah, I went in last year. Was my first time coming here, um, so I went in last year and you know, wrote my name on there. Did you sign it with the right date? Because yeah, you didn't. I did. <laughs> See, you You can come babysit him. I I can't handle him anymore. How so? How I mean, this is his first year being in the big leagues, and I mean, there's no way. The dude is an absolute stud. How um, how cool has it been playing with him and seeing the talent that he is and seeing the potential that he's going to have in this league? Because it's special. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, people forget he's only 21 years old. Um, you know, he's got a lot of a lot of room to grow. I mean, I was in Tri Cities, Washington, short season at 21. So yeah. he's doing this yeah. in the big leagues, um, you know, learning everything on on the fly and. Um, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. He's he's going to be something special. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him develop and mature even more, and um, you know, watch him, you know, be the face of baseball one day. I mean, you've gotten to play now with two and been around two super prospects in the game, Fernando Tatis and him. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say there are some similarities there, right? Yeah, no, they're very similar. Um, they both they both play the game with you know so much love and passion for the game that they they only know how to play one way and that's hard 110 percent and you know to, to play with guys like that it makes the game a lot of fun yeah you earlier this year were named al co-player of the week but you were named co-player of the week with miguel cabrera the week that he got his 3,000 hit and solidified i mean all of this history 
How cool was that? I mean, you're now forever ingrained in history with one of the greatest to ever do it. How cool was it to hear that you were named, one, co-player of the week, but that it was with Miguel Cabrera? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Um, you know, he's been he's been doing this a long time, and, uh, you know, he's, he's been through a lot, and um, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. So to, to one, not only win the award or, you know, share that honor with him, but that was my first ever Player of the Week yeah. award. Um so to have something, you know, so special like that, um, to be able to share that with the future Hall of Famer, it's, you know, it's pretty cool. If you, had, if you had the option of winning your first AL Player of the Week award by yourself or splitting it with Miguel Cabrera, which one would you want? <laughs> I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm keeping it the way it is. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's just one of those things that, you know, you'll, you'll never forget. It's, you know, it's cool winning it, but to be able to share it with someone like that, it's, you know, it makes it that much more special. How, how is the, how's the vibe there this year? I mean, I know the start for you guys isn't what you wanted, but I truly believe this team has all the ability in the world and the guys you brought in have been awesome. And the fans look to be rallying around you guys. I mean, how excited are you? It's still so early in the year. How excited is this team for the potential that you have this year? Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're pretty fired up. Um, you know, we kind of started last year very similar to this year. Um, there was a point, I think, after the first month and a half where, you know, we weren't in a very good spot. Um, and watching that and being a part of that, knowing that how easily things switch, uh, baseball comes in waves. You know, yeah. you're hot, you're cold, up and down. So um, I think for us, since we've already been through it, this kind of struggle last year, we know, you know, things are going to turn for us. We're not, not worried at all. Um, you know, especially the group of guys we have here, the additions we made, um, we've made our team just that much better. So I think, you know, we're definitely excited to just keep rolling. Um, you know, it's going to turn for us. We'll be all right. Dude, absolutely. It's bound, the struggles are bound to happen at some point in the year, so might as well make it early. All right. So some, <laughs> exactly. All right, I got some fun questions for you before we finish up that I like to ask guys. First of which, take what T-Mobile out of it. That park you can't say. What is your favorite park to play in and, and to visit? Um, I was actually just talking to a couple of the guys about this yesterday. So last year when we came here to Fenway, I think they only had like they were only allowed like five thousand fans, mm-hmm. and you know just being able to play here and experience all the history behind it. Um, was pretty cool, but now having this place full, um, this is this is pretty cool. Um, you know, hearing them swing, or sing "Sweet Caroline" in the yeah. eight, um, just all the traditions here, and um, how many people show up to their games is, um, you know, it's it's pretty unbelievable. So I'm gonna go with Fenway. This place is pretty cool. That's sweet. All right, the toughest pitcher that you have ever faced. Toughest pitcher I've ever faced. Not to make you put give too much credit to somebody, but if, if there's one pitcher out there that's the toughest one you've ever faced, who is it? Um, I don't have many at bats off of him, but um, you know, Degrom was pretty tough. Um, yeah, yeah. that's you know, never never a fun at bat. Um, we faced him last night, Hulk. Um, I, I do not see him very well for some reason <laughs> and you don't, his, his ball moves so much. Um, you know, that, that's, that's another tough at bat. Um, 
we'll stick with those two guys for now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when all else fails, you, you can't go wrong with naming the best pitcher in the world as a tough at bat. Yeah. So. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good arms out there and, you know, a lot of tough at bats. Um, That's why I'm sitting here, Ty, and you're sitting there. The the 92 mile an hour sliders are what got the best of me, and that's actually, why I'm, I'm here. And in in 19, I remember um, facing Degrom, and I, he struck me out. And I looked at the board, and it said 94. I was like, "Dang, that cut a lot." Uh, I didn't, like, didn't know he threw a cutter. Um, go back and look, and it was a slider at 94. And I was like, "Oh, I'm in for it." That's incredible, Jesus! All right, uh, let's see. If you could put together the ultimate BP group with you in it, group of five, so you and four others, all time. It could be the greatest of all time. It could be guys you just think are funny. What would be the ultimate BP group you would put together? Um, I think it would be pretty cool to only because I've seen it. Um, my freshman year, Coach Gwynn took BP with us one time. Oh, that's um, sick. To, yeah, to be able to uh, you know hit a full BP with him would be pretty cool. Um, I mean, you said you said four or five. Yeah. Um, I think it would be pretty cool to watch Josh Hamilton um, cool. launch some homers. Yeah, I was at that home run derby, by the way, that he went wild. That was sick. <laughs> that was something else. Yeah. Um. I'll throw Derek Jeter in there. Um, just watching him as a kid. Um, yeah. you know, it was a lot of fun. All right, we need one more. One more. I'm going to go David Ortiz. Oh, great group. Great group. I like that a lot. All right, so what I want to ask you now is about your pitching. I go back through the stats and I see... You've pitched a few times, and you have you have a 1.13 career ERA, and that includes a couple big league outings. Are we? And you're also you're in the same division as this guy. So, are we going to see like another Shohei Otani esque player in Ty France? Is that a possibility? No, no, that's way <laughs> too much work. Way too much work. It was, and these these hitters are a lot better up here. Um, I, I snuck by in the minor leagues with a zero. Um, <laughs> But I, I threw against Miami in 19, had a clean outing, and then I had to face L.A. And uh, first hitter, A.J. Pollock, took me way back in San Diego. Um, <laughs> and he ruined, he ruined my perfect ERA, but uh, got the next three guys out. How so hard are you throwing on the mound? I can't lob the ball. I have to, like, put a little bit behind it, which yeah. makes it more like BP. I'm around, right. like, 82 to 84. Um, but I will mix in some off-speed stuff, too. i got to keep them honest. I was going to say, lobbing it tends to, to help. But then I was at um, – I'm friends with Brett Phillips and was at his game the other night in Los Angeles when he pitched against the Angels, and he lobbed it. And it, um, didn't, it didn't go well <laughs> that night. Trout homered, Rendon homered left-handed. Uh, Shohei hit a ball off the top of the wall. So I think they're just good at that yeah. level. That, that's what are your what are your thoughts on I mean you do you get to play in the same division as this guy and um, you you mentioned it briefly the the preparation off the field is is a totally different beast what are what are your thoughts on what Shohei Otani is doing at at the big league level Yeah I mean it's incredible um, you know for him to not only be one of the best hitters in the league but the best pitcher as well 
um, you just don't see it. Um, the, the guys, I, I don't know him personally. I, I've talked to him when I get to first or when he gets to first base, but um, his, his work ethic has to be, you know, above and beyond everyone else. Um, you know, talent aside, like it's just, it's a lot of work that he has to put in and um, to see someone, to be able to see someone do what he's doing at this level um, so consistently too, is it's pretty special to watch. Um, you know, he's going to like, Babe Ruth, he's going to go down in history, you know, yeah. for the rest of for the rest of baseball. Yeah, and you'll get to say you faced him and played against him. That's pretty cool. Um, Ty, one one last question: um, what it, what would your best advice be to to kids coming up playing baseball, to to people coming up through the minors, to to me eight years ago that you know struggled with the mental mental side? What would your advice be to guys coming up playing the game of baseball? Um. You know, I, I think the simpler you can keep the game, the more fun you're going to make it. And at the end of the day, we're playing a game. Um, you need to have fun doing it. Um, as hard as it is, um, just make it as simple as you can and continue to try and have fun because there's going to be a lot of times where you don't want to do this anymore. It's just you yeah. can't take it mentally and it's just beating you up. You're going through cities with nothing in there staying at you know crappy motels just just keep going it, it, you'll 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 get through it. it it's not easy but you know try and try and make the game as fun as you can ty i appreciate it man thank you so much for joining me uh you're forever a friend of the show come back on whenever you want good luck the rest of the way i hope to see you um, man, it'd be sick to see you out here in LA for the all-star game. I hope that happens, man, but good luck the rest of the way. I really appreciate you for joining. Of course, me. man. Thank you for having me. You know, it's, it, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. What a guy. Thank you to Ty France so much for joining me. That was a lot of fun. That was a blast of a conversation. It truly is remarkable. When you look at his stats, he has just hit everywhere he's been since college and I'm assuming before college as well but what an absolute stud and uh, I am a big fan of his and I really do hope he makes the all-star game this year that would be awesome but what a blast of a conversation I hope you all enjoyed it I certainly did thank you all for listening make sure you like download subscribe the podcast wherever it is that you listen Spotify Apple Google whatever that may be rated five stars as well that really helps us and follow along on social media as well Twitter Instagram, Facebook, and every episode you can watch the video on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod. Make sure you check that out as well. Thank you all for listening. This has been an absolute blast, and I will see you next time on Flippin' Bats.